Jeanette Nguyen. Hi, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here. It's such a fun vibe. I'm loving the atmosphere. Yes, and I'm super grateful to Evan Bliss for introducing us. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. We love you very much. We love Evan. He's a fun guy. You and I have had a solid two hours of just unpacking all things life. It's been so nice. It has been very nice. I've learned a lot about you and Me your too. fascinating background. Me too about you. Yeah. I'm all over the place, but I love it. We're very super connectory. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to unpack. We have, let's see, we have a lot of topics lined up, mainly the work in social impact education. Yes. And especially the intersection of entertainment and civic engagement, which I'm super looking forward to talking to you about. It's a very important field. Actually, a lot of Los Angeles can leverage the, in the entertainment industry for these styles of purposes, whether it be civic engagement or like we were talking about with enlightenment and awakening, investigating consciousness, mm -hmm. executing the sustainable development goals, all of these sort of leverage entertainment and Hollywood for tackling these biggest absolutely yeah, projects they say the world moves forward with a story right yes yes exactly and so leverage the mimetic capital the story capital to catalyze more and more of the execution of those biggest challenges yes and the media power and the talent here which is why i'm so excited that you're having this podcast in la yes what a nice breath of fresh air yes the weather's better too the big move. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And I love being in a a new nodal cluster and exploring that because you get saturated in terms of nodal clusters and connections when you have been somewhere for a long, long period of time, several years and that kind of a thing. And then so the fr being having these fresh new bonds connecting between nodes is yeah. so fun mm -hmm. and just seeing where that next one goes and how it's going to open up so many so many epic doors and you know that's kind of what this has been like with with you already so far with evan and with people like you and we had zeb kroll on the show and we're going to have a lot of other uh i am already watching the branching happening of entry into so many different clusters it's yeah. it's like love it it's <laughs> it's so fun Jeanette you have you're not only a very colorful person you're you have a very colorful background and a very colorful star so let's go through the journey mm -hmm. so walk me through who you were growing up your family lineage yeah also kind of like that childhood discovery of your star take us on the journey yeah, um, I guess I'll start with my mom. So my mom was a refugee from Vietnam. She came here on a boat. She uh, was five days at sea in like this rickety boat, landed in the Philippines, stayed there for six months, actually was raped in the Philippines, got pregnant with my brother, gave birth to him in Philadelphia. And the guy was completely abusive. So one day when he was like gone or left, she told me that she had a little bit of money saved and she took off with my brother to california and hid from him met my dad um while taking english classes and what she loved about my dad was his family he has a very fun colorful family and she said she felt so alone because here she was by herself in california with a baby so she needed that stability 
married my dad. That relationship didn't work because they were polar opposites and um, had two kids with him. So divorced my dad when I was four. But, you know, this is how I like to describe my dad. My dad is an excellent dad, but he's an awful husband. <laughs> he was very much around for me when I was a kid, doted on me, was obsessed with me, was in love with me. I was like his pride and joy. Um, so growing up, it's like, it was very much a dichotomy. I felt like I lived a double life. Um, my dad was very um, irresponsible. I think I mentioned to you earlier that if I didn't have my mom around, I'd probably be a raging narcissist. You know, I could do no wrong in his eye. I was always perfect. If I had a bad grade in school, it was the teacher's fault. It was never my responsibility. Whereas my mom was the complete opposite. It's like, let me give you a list of everything that's wrong with you and what you need to improve. The yin-yang. Yeah, yeah, but my mom was also um, very hands-off kind of parenting. Um, you know, you hear these stereotypes of like, you know, Asian families and like a tiger mom. My mom was not that. Um, partly because she was a hustler and she was busy running her business and she wanted to just make a lot of money because she had three kids at the time to feed and take care of, you know, until my stepdad came around and she had my younger brother. So there's four of us. She had quite the experience also was this in her mid-20s when she was making the move and she got raped and this is this was no she was a teenager when this happened this so was, she was a teen so she was like 18 she was like 18 when my brother was born yeah oh my god so i mean my mom had kids pretty young i mean i think i mentioned to you earlier like the only child kid of hers who was planned was my brother and she had him at 41 your youngest my youngest brother. brother yeah yeah and i was 17 when he yeah. was born this is so. a very intense lineage yeah this is, this is intense one. but despite yeah. it all she became an entrepreneur and like yeah, yeah that's really interesting yeah. she became very successful she retired at 55 yeah so she did yeah. well for herself yeah. um damn she just had to you know get rid of the baggage that was holding her down the trauma became the treasure yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, I had a great childhood growing up in a sense that, you know, my mom was pretty hands off because she was busy running her business and she was a good mom. She just wasn't around that much because she was really busy. But um, so I started off in the industry when I was 17 years old. I would say my my youth was kind of like an uh, almost famous that movie. I was no, seriously I was running around with a bunch of like these major rock stars you know, I was going through to uh, concerts left and right. I was just interviewing these rock stars and getting paid to do it. And, you know, when you're in high school and you're getting $100 an article and you do three of them a week and you're not paying any bills, it's like I thought I was balling and I was rich and I got into all the parties, all the VIP parties. And that was what segued me and gave me a leg up yeah. where I entered the entertainment industry very young. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you were writing. I was, I mean, I wasn't a good writer, but I was blogging. I'd say you're more blogging. so blogging. Yeah. Blogging for NAM, the National Association of Music Merchants. Cool. Yeah. And that was getting you really well connected at a young age as well. Yeah. I mean, it got me internships early on when I was still in college and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, even though I already had an idea. So yeah, it gave me the connections, the early exposure to the point where by the time I, you know, started seriously interviewing for real jobs out of college, I um, wasn't really nervous anymore. Cause at that point I've already spoken to, you know, all of my childhood heroes, 
the biggest rock stars. So yep. I would go in and it's like, yeah, he's the CEO, whatever. Yep. yep. So it, I think it's made me um, a better person and it's, it, it, made, it gave me early exposure to the world. And it helped me um, have a better understanding of people and to realize that I really love people yep. and being around them. Yeah. Yeah. The better that we can ask people questions and genuinely relate to their journey, the more that they feel comfortable with sharing their wisdoms. Yeah. And we learn so much through those relationships. And it's no surprise to me that it's kind of like, it's definitely like Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors of the biblical story. The, you, the, more, <laughs> the pants of many colors, the hair of many colors, the shirt of many colors for you. The mm -hmm. many colors signify the ability to be able to take on all of these different complex structures of psyche and be able to play with them and engage them and swap between those costumes and that fluidity is it's a super powerful thing especially for super connecting where we'll kind of take this this next bit so how did you end up uncovering that what your north star was throughout this process so this is the earlier foundational days and mm -hmm. blogging and getting into entertainment and and, you know, you have your trajectory into USC as well. But kind of like, yeah, walk us through that path of of that North Star identification. Yeah. So I'm from Huntington Beach. So I'd say the early days of my career, I was running around with skaters and punk rockers. I was working at Hurley Corporate, working at Vans, you know, action sports in music marketing at that department, you know, segued into the agenda show which is now this huge thing in the fashion industry, right? And then when I finally did graduate with my undergrad, I was project manager at an entertainment ad agency where I was handling um, national experiential campaigns um, for, you know, big studios and lifestyle companies like Fox and Paramount, etc. But then I hated that job, even though it looked sexy on paper, just because this was the dead of the recession and I felt like I was working the job, you know, the job of three people and being underpaid. And I think my mom was secretly happy about it because she would say, oh, you hate your job. Oh, that's great. Maybe you should go to grad school. She's always been trying to get me to go to grad school. And I just thought, no, I don't really want to go to grad school. You know, I, I was tired of school. But then it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I could use an extended adolescence. What am I doing? We're in the recession. I don't like this job. Let me just apply to USC. And if I get in, I'll go. If I don't, then I'll just find another job. Right, because I'm kind of doing that anyways. I got into USC, and uh, I got my uh, graduate degree in entertainment marketing communications management. Had an amazing time there. Created a startup that went viral there that inspired an entire episode of The Big Bang Theory, and you know, got me a lot of press. And it was an it accidentally went viral because it was actually um, a fake marketing plan school project. And my partner and I decided to let's just buy some at like spend $50. We'll, we'll put something out on Twitter. We'll go to Comic-Con. We'll beta test it for the class. It's a project, right? It's a huge project. It took up a lot of our, a huge chunk of our grade, which is why we took it seriously. And the next morning I get a call from Fox 
can we interview you? It ended up being like a one and a half minute segment. And then like from there, it was like ABC, NBC, CNN, BBC, like followed suit. So then it became a thing. So then I thought, okay, I guess we'll make it into a real business. I mean, it went viral. Screw it. Maybe this is a sign. So I ran with that for a while and it was a lot of fun. But to be honest with you, it just wasn't my passion. Um, it was just this fun thing at the time. And I was still a student and I had all these other opportunities. Can you give us a quick idea of what it was? Yeah, it was called Line Angel. So it was like the Uber of not wanting to wait in line. So you could be in two places at once and save time. So a lot of our clients were celebrities or just movers and shakers in L.A. You know, they wanted the latest sneakers, whether that was Yeezys or like it was people were using it for fashion, um, sample sales, uh, launches, celebrity meet and greets, concerts so they could have good seating. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was a blast. Gen- general idea is somebody of, of a higher uh, wealth that wants to not wait in line will pay somebody to wait in line for them, and then they will go and take the spot once yes. they get to the line. Yeah, or I, they'll go and actually purchase the item, or if it, they're waiting right. in line, yeah, for them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I am proud of the fact that I created jobs, um, and yeah. it helped a lot of people. Yeah. That was fun. But it, I d- it, you solved a problem. That's I, ultimately yeah. what the entrepreneur is, is you found that niche, you solved the problem. Yeah. Solved the problem. Exactly. There was a niche, right? Yep. And it was just funny how that came about. But I did learn a lot about it. You know, um, consumers, uh, I think it was like the baseline for a lot of uh, things that I've learned about communication and just engaging with, you know, different demographics of people that I've carried on to the social impact work that I did in politics and you know uh at usc through the annenberg innovation lab uh for the past year and a half i've been heavily involved in working on the census so i would say that i'm at the intersection of civic engagement and entertainment i connect hollywood to politics and vice versa um i'll work with celebrities influencers youtubers to uh, help them craft the message that's authentic to their brand and we'll talk about civic engagement topics such as the census. And not a lot of people know about the census and why it's so important because it happens every 10 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, especially for communities of color, it's funding for every person counted. It's $20,000 goes into your community over the course of 10 years. Mm-hmm. So let's say yeah. there's a building in Koreatown and they're not being counted. That could be millions of dollars that your community is losing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, It also determines congressional seating, which make up the Electoral College. Um, A reason why the current administration was trying to suppress the census so much was because they were trying to take away congressional seats from the blue states, such as New York and California, so that we have a, you know, uh, a weaker vote. So there was a lot at stake with the census, and there was a lot of misinformation because certain groups didn't want communities of color to be counted because that equals power, money, and representation. So there was a lot that I was doing to combat that. And I worked with some amazing, um, influential celebrities and stars, like, you know, that were big in the Gen Z space, like Sky Jackson, who's a huge mm-hmm. Disney star, and she's mm-hmm. on Dancing with the Stars now. And I think she has like 7 million followers on IG. People like that. And so this is super interesting. So there's Every 10 years, it's since, when did this start? Was it like the eight, late 1800s, mm-hmm. right? I think so. The census. So this is, this is important for, let's list the, the okay, so congressional 
districts. Yes. And also taxpayer, so funding. So we pay taxes, right? It's like, I think it's like $800 billion that the government has like taxes. So it's like the census determines where the tax money goes. That's just the military budget. That's crazy. That's right. just the military budget yearly. Yeah, it's eight, that's wild. Eight hundred billion. Yeah, it's like four and a half trillion or something. Oh my like gosh. That. Yeah. yeah, it's extreme. and then it's like twenty eight trillion in debt. I know. It's very, <laughs> intru- yeah, very, very. The numbers are insane, but the census determines where the tax dollars go, and it's based on population. So if you don't fill out the census, if your household doesn't fill out the census, then your community loses the funding. And this twenty thousand dollars per person over ten years. Over ten years, so okay. schools. Okay. So two thousand dollars a year is going to schools. Literally in your community. In your community, you're missing two thousand dollars a year if you don't fill out the census and and yeah. say that hey, we had a birth of a baby. There's you know now yeah. Type but thing. obviously the census passed, but it was a big thing as you know this year. It was in the media. A lot. Um, And hopefully people filled it out. But, you know, I'm just putting the information out there that the next 10 years from now, fill out your census. Well, the idea that we were talking about before we went live is that we now have the technological infrastructure that's getting more and more closer to Star Trek Mm -hmm. and further and further away from chimpanzees. And so we need to go more and more towards what is cryptography, what is leveraging the smartphones and like. This, the whole idea is that, you know, if I'm already born in a, in a hospital and I'm already accounted for in the social security system, you know, there I am in the, in the census. Okay, now I move to a different area. I have GPS location on my, on my Google Maps, on my iPhone. You know, there's so many ways to register like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know. Alan's now registered in the United States Postal Service at this address. You know, he's been living there three years. So, you know, this is where his census data is right now. And there's so many ways to do data fusion to enable this. So we're not sending a sheet of paper. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so antiquated the way they do things. This is very important, though. Like you're you're describing, this is a crucial statistic. 2,000 bucks a year is a lot of money and what we're one more time on the investments this is is this uh is this also for things like uh like roads and bridges roads well you think about covid i'll give i'll give you an example covid right let's say we have a vaccine they got to figure out where to distribute the vaccine they also look at census data you know uh there's an emergency it's like okay do we have enough shelters there's things that they create in place amazon wants to build a warehouse somewhere for example they look at census data so businesses use it too to figure out business moves but from a governmental perspective it's about funding representation and power and if you don't fill it out you essentially give all that away okay yeah interesting so Moving forward in the future, funding, representation, and power fused with technology can more easily identify where people are living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hope we get to that point where. Yeah. You we know. need to architect that. We need to build yeah. it. We need to build it. We need to focus on that. Yeah. There's a lot of other data points to fuse besides uh, the census data, like the psychometric data, the biometric data. Mm-hmm. So. You want to be able to predict a pathology that's developing in your body prior to it actually emerging. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the health, that's the sick care system that yes. we go to today. And we want the health care system where I can feel like an 18 year old basically the rest of my life. 
yeah. that peak capacity of my body. And same thing with psychometrics, you know, like right now, Evan was like our machine learning algorithm. Evan Bliss was like, mm -hmm. I know that Jeanette Nguyen and Alan Sakian are going to relate well, so I'm going to link them up and then we do, right? Yeah. But based on our psychometrics, based on our levels of extroversion and openness and creativity and all these types of things, you know, the ML algo can just set up you and I on a FaceTime call for, you know, three o'clock PM on Tuesday. And then you and I jump on that call based on literally our psychometric data. And so it, it, we are, we are already predicting the fact that we are going to vibe and we are going to create a good amount of things together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, either one of us can look into that. If it doesn't look, if it looks like something that might've been a mistake, we can always decline it and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. So there's so much to do in the space of especially given as important as, as it is to have representation and power and yeah. the issue is there's groups who don't want that so they're going to fight against that hence the large amounts of misinformation that have been going on about what it means to fill out the census for example no ice is going to go knock on your door don't do it you know, stuff like that, which is why it was such an issue and why it was actually a really tough campaign because of all the bots and the misinformation about trying to scare people to not be counted. Similar wow. to voter suppression. Wow. There's a lot of um, parallels. And that's something I've been trying to combat too, you know, especially with the last election was a lot of voter suppression work. It's really creating targeted pieces of media aim towards very specific communities to get them to vote. And that was something I did in politics. Gosh, I probably produced over 20 PSAs within the last year, you know, about the census and about voting. Wow. Yeah. So, so maybe walk us through what it looks like for a team to create a PSA and a public service announcement. Mm -hmm. And where did, you know, where does the funding come from for the team? You know, how does the team work together? What platforms does it disseminate? How do you leverage the influencers for more reach? Yeah. Yeah, well, the census PSAs, we got a grant from the Gates Foundation. Okay. Thanks, Bill Gates. Bill and Melinda. Yep. They're like they're in a lot of interesting places. They really are. Yeah. They're omnipresent. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And also just for those that, you know, that really tend to kind of jump into like a binary thought process about people like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos and Melinda Gates and and rock star sort of, you know, billionaire Fortune 500 people that everyone's a mix of there's good and bad in all of us and that it's not a binary thing. It's just so quickly that people jump to sort of binary, like this person is evil, this person is good, and like that's the way that I see the world. And it's like, no, we're mixes of both. We all have shadows. Yep. We all have gifts. We have to do our best to work on integrating the shadows. But also people just like, all, like for example, I know so many people that have never even uh, researched the depths of like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's impacts across the planet in terms of s actualizing the sustainable development goals. And then they'll have a binary perspective about it being a horrible 
based off tabloid gossip or based something off, silly. Based off like tabloid mm-hmm. gossip stuff, yeah. Because that's yeah. the stuff that people remember and that's the juicy stuff. You know, people gravitate towards yeah. bad news. People don't want to do the work, which is, you know, like Bill and Melinda Gates would do something like analyze the amount of people on the planet that are using pit latrines. Yeah. And that, you know, because here we're hedonically adapted to being able to open up the tap and get water and to go to the bathroom and flush our, our toilet and completely not care about any of the wastewater treatment that has to happen. And that in other places in the world, a billion people across the planet still having to, you know, go and and use these holes that are dug up in the ground to go and and urinate and poo in. And that then you get the flies that go and land Mm -hmm. on that and then fly back over on the food sources. Then you eat those and you get diarrhea and that you die and that there's just all of this sort of it's all it's all you have to look for it. You have to look for the the patterns in how to optimize the basic needs being met of people around the planet so that they can bring their gifts forward. And that's what I think. I think people, in a sense, I think people, they don't want to do the hard work yeah. of analyzing that, that pattern and, and, and like, like, and like also admitting that other people that are smarter than them mm-hmm. have went and have that have more resources and that have analyzed those patterns that that they have went and done that process and people sometimes just don't want to like say that like that is happening so then they go off that tabloid gossip yeah. stuff. little tangent but i wanted to say that because it's important they funded the psas and that the, the census yes. psas and that there's just it is very very important like people will look at jeff yeah. bezos and they won't even take into account the fact that like 20 years ago the guy was literally driving packages himself to the post office to ship and that he was hoping to one day buy a forklift (laughs) like this is his story you know this is literally his story right and that you know now there's investments into blue origin for space there's investments into uh nuclear fusion industry as well for clean and sustainable sources of energy abundant sources of energy for us and so it's it's like get away from binary one-dimensional thinking and dive into the depths of these of people at their most complex you know whether it be somebody just like you and i or whether it be somebody that is in a position of having a billion dollars in a position of power, right. but analyze how they got there if it was ethical all these types of things are important but all right just wanted to yeah no, it to, was so important okay. though it was okay. i'm glad you made that point yeah Thank the you. issue is we live in an on-demand culture where people like to be spoon-fed information So most people just aren't going to dig, you know, and I think part of the reason is the way society is constructed, where most people are literally on a hamster wheel, just trying to survive, especially nowadays. So it's a form of privilege even to be able to sit down and research and do deep dives, right? When you don't have when you're not on survival mode, people are just on a hamster wheel. So uh, I think uh, until the foundation of that is fixed, we're going to have this issue in society. Interesting. So I I like your perspective there. We'll get to the PSA. Just that the idea is that the more that you're on a hamster wheel, the less you're able to research the multivariability in the complexity of the nuance of all these subjects and try and find the pattern out of all of those variables rather than being just because you're on the hamster wheel spoon fed one article retweeting or whatever exactly the quick bites of information the sensationalism right 
So it's like you need to have the time to research. But better than that, it's like, do you even know how to effectively research? Research, yeah. Right? Do you even have the educational background to do that? And a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know how to vet misinformation from quality, authentic information. Right. They don't know what to look for. They don't know what's a viable source. Hence why we're in the mess that we are now. Um, There's just a lot of foundational things that completely need to be fixed. You know, you could tell someone, oh, you know, if if only you just did your research. But where do they have the time to do the research when they are constantly working and they have three kids they have to raise and a life that they want to live and they need me time, too. And right. And this is average families i'd say across the board yeah most people do not have the time or the mental space and we were we were talking a lot before we started about the enabling the architectures the inclusive stakeholding all these different protocols that biomimic the mycorrhizal networks and that in doing so what you do is you meet the basic needs so that people aren't on the hamster wheels as much and so they can then do things like learn upskill mm-hmm. and so that they can learn how to do the phenomenon of researching from multiple sources and trying to find synthesis right so it's 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 a it's a lot more I don't know if there's actually anything that's as important as meeting the basic needs and then upskilling people to be able to see the complexity in the patterns that exist because that will enable a more robust social fabric, democracy, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And Let's go. Let's go through. Let's go through the. So there's a grant from the Bill and Melinda that Gates. went through yeah, the USC yeah. Annenberg Innovation Lab. Okay. So that funded a lot of our, pretty much all of our census work. No, it was that in the MacArthur Foundation. Okay. Um, funded our census work. So, so that's what I was doing on the census side. And then a lot of the um, election and voting work that I was doing was. Are we gonna break down a PSA as well? The PSAs? Are we going to break down a PSA? We can for break consensus? down the PSAs. I'm just curious, like, how many people were on, like, the, the PSA team? Like, it's kind of interesting to me to, like, know, you know, you got an influencer, you drafted some sort of a campaign, you know, you put 20 of them out. Well, not at the same time. At different goodness. times, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I have a background in Hollywood, used to being around talent and celebrities, so I know how to communicate to management and PR. Right. So I was able to get, you know, pretty big stars involved uh, pro bono because they knew that it was a great cause and it also aligned with their brand and their vision of where their career was going. So, you know, celebrities and the YouTubers I got were activisms or activists and they cared about activism and social good. So usually what happens is, um, okay, we have this idea. We want to do PSAs, right? Then you get the script. So we get writers. We try to get people in the space who know about, for example, census, know about voting. Yeah. Um, and then we sometimes it's like a collaboration between experts and writers and, you know, feeding them information. And they, they try to write something quick, concise, clever, entertaining. Yep. I, I then I start casting. OK, I do the castings. Yep. Right. And, you know, and I'm mindful of like representation and yep. all that great stuff. 
Um, I'm not a professional caster or casting agent, but I've done it a bunch. And uh, yeah, and then it's like, you know, certain people from my team will pull together the technicalities of it, like who's going to handle the editing and the production and the director and all of that. And it's just like a team, you know, yep. like like a little mini Hollywood yep. Yep. that goes on. There's a lot of moving parts. We all kind of focus on what we need to do and we make it happen. And then after that, you know, there's distribution. Yep. That's a whole nother beast, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yep. And then it's figuring out distribution. And, you know, luckily uh, we have a lot of community partners and educational institutions already intact through the USC Annenberg Innovation Lab. You know, our brand name recognition and who we are in the um, community helps to amplify, you know, those messages. And hence why we also use celebrities with big followings because they have an audience too. Yep. And it kind of spiral, spiral and goes from there and it grows. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you described it as a mini Hollywood. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's like a mini Hollywood. It's not like a, a blockbuster, yep. but it's like a core team. Everyone has yep. their part, and we make magic happen with a much limited budget. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really cool breakdown. Okay. And then you were going into another subject as well when I asked you to do the PSA. Yeah. Breakdown. I yeah. mean, the PSAs, and then I was doing a lot of work with uh, the election. And trying to rally people to get them excited about voting. I did a huge event in Hollywood. I think it was back pre... It was like a month before shutdown of the pandemic. Is this also with U USC? And no, this no, is this through is different. Uh, a different institution that I met while doing a lot of work with the census. Okay. Um, where I was working with a bunch of politicos. Okay. Like people, you know, pretty high up there in the political space. And they needed my help. And we started doing community events and we you know we had politicians show up local politicians um just ex local activists celebrities and we threw a massive party you know food and beverages and alcohol everything was taken care of uh and we registered people to vote on site we educated them mm. about it we had um who did we have fiona ma i think california treasurer mm. was there mm -hmm. we had um Mitchell Farrell. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, some local politicians. Yep. There was a bunch. I don't remember. And there was all these judges yep, yep. who were there. Um, so registering people to vote is the core part of, host, of producing these events. Yeah, the yep. core part. Now, yep. I don't have a background in politics. My background's more so in entertainment. Yeah. So, And I think it's helped me. Because I'm not coming at everything through a political lens oh, yeah. all the time. Yes, yes, yes. Um, You're bringing more innovation and strategies. Yeah, and, makes, and, yeah, yeah. and I feel that way. So, you know, oftentimes I'm around these big wig judges and politicians, and I don't really, you know, know, like, everything about them. Oh, yeah. So it helps. Yeah. It makes it more fun and exciting for me, too. Yeah, I feel like then you're learning from one another. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I was doing a lot of events to get people to vote, producing PSAs. Oh, gosh, there was so much that I was doing. I was traveling on the Biden campaign. I was precinct captain for uh, Biden in Iowa and in Nevada. Won every precinct that I led. And, oh, Iowa was crazy. Wow. The fact that we won that was insane. But his administration really liked me because I was able to win these precincts, you know? And so uh, because of that, I kept having more opportunities 
to do some more work with the Biden campaign. And I was in Miami canvassing and helping with this big Voto Latino event. So we have some images that I'm going to pull up as well. And so we have it's what what's the title again called of the position? It's a like a precinct leader. Like precinct captain. Precinct captain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was doing that. And so now this is like the idea is that once you kind of identify with whatever, you know, I I personally really like right now what's going on with like the uh, the independent national union, right? So I really like the idea mm-hmm. of like what's happening with the independent scene right now and trying to like grab the best from both uh, conservatives and liberals and bring those up together into one. But so what happens then is once you pick kind of who you really um, like, like if you do like the INU and stuff like that, your ideas is that you can get involved and become a precinct captain for them. And then you basically go and travel to the swing states, mostly are the important ones right now. And that you're going and traveling and you're trying to basically educate about the principles that the people that you're that are will be that they will be voting for represent. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea is as you go to the different locations is that you're doing you're kind of doing the work you're trying to basically replicate in a sense the ethos or ideas the memes of the people so it's like kind of like trying to clone as much of the ideas as possible and that's kind of what maybe a precinct captain could be thought of as yeah okay okay interesting and so so iowa was the first place iowa was the first place they were very racist there i didn't have a good time and it was cold but i did what i needed to do and i won so i was happy about that yeah interesting yeah that, that's mm-hmm. well that's that's really close to my uh cuz I'm, I'm i'm from south dakota and so um look at all those great photos <laughs> let's see oh there i am all right so we have some pictures to show you i'm actually in the latest issue of time magazine with biden there's this picture there's this huge um spread of him hugging this politician and you clearly see me in the background too so that's you and biden yeah you were you said you were in a a i'm in time Time. i'm in the recent issue of time time. yeah my boss sent it to me and said you're in time magazine i said what and she sent me a a photo of it which i thought was funny wow i have i have yet to pick up the physical issue that's uh with the press in iowa do you remember how much of a shit show iowa was because they f- couldn't figure out uh, who won. And it was so messy, that controversy, because like I guess the app that was supposed, supposed to keep score was completely messed up, and it became like this democratic embarrassment. Iowa was insane. <laughs> it was a great experience. Again, we, we, we spent a couple of minutes talking about this earlier, but you know, we kind of have to get away from you know sheets of paper and you know feeding those into you know, a machine and like, that's a new invention. You know, it used to not, you didn't even have the machine in the passes. They tried you know. to go high tech and it was a huge mess up. Well, we, we need a lot of features. We need to fix it. We, yeah. Yeah. We improve it. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and we're, we're gaining the abilities to do so. As we're talking about things like inclusive stakeholding, we actually have the decentralization protocols that enable the tokenomics of the subjects that we were talking about earlier. But the same thing's true with applied cryptography for voting as well. We now have the proper protocols that enable you to leverage the simple process of using the devices in a, ver in a way that's even more secure than the existing Here's solutions Here's the thing, are. you know, um, the Democrats would love to make voting more easy and more accessible. But like I said, there's a huge portion of the population who are trying to suppress the vote consistently. Um, and that's the type of battle that I've been dealing with with this type of work. As long as, long as it's in you know, the ideas that it's just... A lot of what I've also understood about what potentially a conservative minded person would say about it is that they just want it to make sure that it's it's that it's safe and that it's properly being executed and that you know and that, that that's also like it's really actually very psychometrically aligned like the liberal higher openness and the conservative sort of conscientiousness in ensuring that it's done in a way that is systematically going to you know procedurally done through like the nsa and just done in a way that sort of is ensured that there's not a specific political agenda behind it but that it leaves it open for the actual democratic I, process i would agree with that definitely but there is a large portion who are to be honest with you, I'm going to be flat out just freaking racist. Yeah, so old, <laughs> they just don't yeah. want people of color to older, vote. Older, yeah, on the, I know, yeah, we, we I mean. That's we, the other issue. We, we talked about this. I mean, we, we pulled, we pulled these up and I mean, this is, this is, this, this is where, you know, we, we try and simplify this as much as possible, but, you know, ultimately it really does boil down to things, you know, just like in high level perception and in chapter four called portals it really does boil down to simple things like people on this like left side of the bell curve that are you know really just experiencing states of consciousness that are still a little bit more archaic um things that are a little bit more uh you know r racist or bigoted or xenophobic um and also that are like you'd be surprised at how often you have somebody from, you know, where I'm from in South Dakota, or as you were saying in Iowa a little bit earlier, you know, it's like they haven't left the state. Mm -hmm. They don't have a friend that is, that is black or that's Latin American or that's Asian or that's from the Middle East. And so when that happens, like if you, like there's it's only propaganda from television that that is being inserted into the mind yep, and, and then facebook and stuff like that yeah and from social media yeah, yeah especially yeah. facebook so in in general the the in general the idea of portals is that you basically want to you want to move people further and further up the bell curve to thinking in a way that is more and more multivariate more and more as a genius visionary as an entrepreneur as an artist as a leader as someone that's able to calculate as many of the variables as possible someone that's able to shoot a portal like a code update into the center of the pacer like you have to become in a sense an entrepreneur or an artist and deploy some sort of a project into the world that helps people right that's why the you know you like 
really like such a massive thing that 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 we have to do in the processes we have to do this sort of you have to do the process of uplifting people along the journey this isn't to say you know we we talked about this for a couple of minutes earlier but we have to help the labor force upskilling process we have to extend mm-hmm. the hand out and help people come through like you can't just say that somebody is old consciousness and they need to die like let the you know at the same time the 80 year old old white guy in the country club that is still has experiences of not liking black people or asian people or middle eastern people or latin americans is dying anyway but there are people that are maybe 40 or 30 that have one friend that is black or latin american Mm -hmm. whatever and that they're becoming more open you know they're becoming they're realizing that maybe i should understand what it means to have friends of from other places in the world and what that would mean for my overall perspective and we need to uplift and help in that process i I absolutely agree you know but deeper than that i think that i mean if you look at the these stats it's like i think what is it like 54 percent of white women voted for trump so these are women who were crying about Ginsburg dying, uh, had a black square on their IG, you know what I mean, in solidarity, you know, with uh, Black Lives Matter. But they're going to vote what they feel is going to be in their best interest. And I think it's to uphold white supremacy, I think, a lot of times. Because I know people, and I actually have friends who voted for Trump, who we got, you know, kind of in at it because you know, I'm on the Biden campaign, right? Who are very nice people, have friends of all different cultures, but at the end of the day, they wanna maintain white supremacy because they feel like it benefits them. And I think it's like the selfish type of mentality. So it's very complicated, Alan. (laughs) It's. I, I I have I have I definitely have some points of of, of deep agreeance with that I, I you know uh, and the way that I came to these ideas is literally through the study of consciousness mm-hmm. you know I, I I really take this from a a pattern recognition perspective about the entirety of the whole reality that we're a part of and what we're undergoing. It's a very deeply evolutionary process Mm -hmm. and it is consciousness as the fundamental unit that we're talking about in this evolution. So I do recognize and understand the things that are being voiced about these old ideas and these old codes that are dying and that are being archived and that, but at the same time that, there is also simultaneously a process of people that are that are you know there there is that arm that's kind of reaching up or there's like that pull up that's about to happen to that like next like level of perception and that all we need is that 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 little meme or that little bump that little friendship with someone that is from a different walk of life And that little tiny thing upgrades somebody to a new way of seeing things. I remember my, this is, this is, you know, I love experiential stories because they, they also really get this. Mm -hmm. It takes the abstract philosophical pattern level is really important, but so is the grounded one in the flesh, in Mm -hmm. the, in the body experientially. I remember after I went from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I grew up from zero to 17 to Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
right? So Minneapolis, Minnesota is a massive step in like the liberal melting pot culturally direction. You have that great mall that uh, yeah, I've been yeah, to. Yeah, the Mall of America. You know the Mall of America. Of course. Of course you That's do. the only That's place I've thing. ever gone through there. Yeah, I had a layover. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I have to go to the Mall of America. I went to the Mall of America. Where are my top pieces of fashion for me to yep, look at let's here? let's go get Gucci Bye. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and that was a massive perceptual augmentation because I literally had on my dorm floor at the University of Minnesota, I, I had Latin American friends, I had black friends, I had friends from so many different unique walks of life on my floor. And it was, that's exactly, that's exactly what I needed in order for me to realize the truth of the love and the familial roots and the basic needs of, of water, food, shelter, electricity, education, mm-hmm. healthcare, these basic needs. Every seed needs the basic nutrients as a tree or as a human to, to blossom fruits. And that we come from the uniqueness of, you know, I didn't really get this one until 10 years later. 10 years later, I started understanding this about 28 years old. I started really getting that consciousness is a lot like calculus in the sense of the integral the integration of 8 billion perspectives, 8 billion infinitesimal data points integrated into a unity style perspective about what we're undergoing as a reality. And at the same time, seeing that genetically mm-hmm. as our 99.9% DNA similarity as humans. Mm-hmm. And then the derivative, the differentiation in calculus is how the the individual the seed the seeds get the basic need nutrients but the gifts the artistic contributions are different yeah i host a show i interview people there are other people that do so many different kinds of of beautiful contributory gifts and that on a genetic perspective is 0.1 percent DNA difference. Yes. And so this sort of, you know, I didn't have that when I was 18. If I had that when I was 18, I could have more quickly ramped myself up. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself. That's really what we kind of try and do for, we're, we're basically trying to say, we're trying to be the mentor that we never had. Yeah, in, in our own space, yeah. in our own way. Yeah. Exactly. Without even realizing it sometimes. Yeah. It's very subconscious, right? And I think as human beings, like there is this innate need to give and to influence and to do good. Yes. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm really bullish on taking this from a perspective of, of consciousness because if we if we identify sort of on that kind of we were talking about a, a very like psychometric level of of like a conservative and a liberal in the United States or as somebody that has a friend that is from a different walk of life versus that doesn't, we can kind of begin understanding on a data level what's going on in people's worldviews and then where they're at on this consciousness evolutionary trajectory. Right. And if and this is the thing is that the more that we identify where people are at, we've actually visualized the data and it's not speculative anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is why the 
the ad targeting is so successful is because you visualize the psychometric data. Absolutely. You know the demographics, you know the psychometrics, you know their ocean scores and personality traits. And so, you know, with mm -hmm. a couple hundred likes, you can know someone better than their spouse. Yeah. And this is some, this is really interesting when you can potentially leverage that data for awakening, for enlightenment, for why don't we introduce you to one of the planetary mystic traditions or why don't we introduce you to somebody that is studying cryptocurrencies or blockchain technologies or biotech or neurotech because maybe if you get a little trigger point into how beautiful you know you had that picture of the cell uh, earlier oh today. that i sent you it's the latest model of a cell yeah it's a really it's a, such a good picture let me let me get it up for us I was telling Alan how I wanted it as a, a print on a dress. How beautiful would it be with some shiny sequin and, you know, beading? So runway ready. Yes. Yes, that's right. So we both want to see, put this on clothing. We will co-create that. We, yeah, it and, could be fun. And that the more, you know, the more that we put this on a piece of clothing and the more that people walk around and that ask, get stopped and ask, hey, what is that? And then the other person responds and says, it's the inner life of the cell. Yeah. And then that other person goes, wait, what? And then there's a conversation that struck up about how beautiful it is. It was, I was telling you that it was David Belinsky's for the first one that introduced me to the beauty of doing the illustration and animation of what the inner life of the cell looked like. Mm -hmm. And then he inspired millions of people around the world that saw that precious video it's called the inner life of the cell everyone that wants to look it up and that look at how much further though because you saw the quality of those animations yeah. and stuff it we're getting to a level where you can actually see like we're beginning to color code and tag parts of the cell at the level of what are called uh, nucleotides or sugars or lipids and amino acids and these sort of proteins we're really getting down to a, a super high resolution level that is hopefully um, we can leverage this to like imagine if we took this and started putting this into the, the Twitter and the Facebook and, and the Instagram feeds as something that was like, this is inside your cells. Like, this is what makes you run and operate, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. we could create a whole narrative and campaign around that that makes it exciting and connects with people on a deeper molecular level, no pun intended. Yeah. Because um, I'm already in my head, I'm thinking, oh, it would be a really cool campaign and we can incorporate all of this crazy technology and um, VR into yeah. like the runway show, but I'm just going off on a tangent right now. I love that. <laughs> Say, I'm, I'm a creative, so. Yeah, me too. I'm all, I'm all about this kind of stuff. And the, the scientific communities, especially the SciComm communities, that, you know, a lot of my lineage comes kind of from the Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson that I was talk, telling you about a little bit before we started. And the intention is to really package in as much of an Explain Like I'm 5 ability the profound beauty of what's actually in the scientific realm like this and then we can leverage the entertainment this is exactly what we started the conversation mm -hmm. off with on the show yeah leverage the mimetic capacities 
of the entertainment sector here to do that. Yeah. We can get the TikTok influencers that become so in awe about we have to tell the story to them that makes them excited about the inner life of but the But then self. they have to understand how to communicate it to their own language to speak to their audience because we want to get it to the masses. Right. I mentioned earlier, I was working on the census. That's not a cool topic. It's really boring. How do I make it exciting? How do I explain it to people so that they understand? I have to communicate to the masses about that, right? So it like it, that's another layer that I have to think about. I can't, I, I can't explain the census to someone uh, like a colleague you know, who I went to grad school with. I have to talk to, you know, that that 19 year old in the inner city who has influence with, you know, in their household who can tell their mom or their dad, hey, fill out the census, this is why it's important. So there's all these other layers um, that I have to think about when it comes to communicating yeah. and what that means and like how yeah. to, yeah. right? Yeah. And actually, the most successful creative campaigns in Los Angeles are usually the ones where the the one that the, the brand that's that's doing a partnership with the with the content creator, they give the content creator full creative capacity. Absolutely. That's 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 the most success mm -hmm. that, that you can experience. It's all about the authenticity. Yeah. And this and I, I also like using Sri Aurobindo and the Mother Mirror Alfasa's words. They call it soul angle you let the content creator add their soul angle mm -hmm. to what the dissemination is of what the brand is, is, is aiming at achieving. And when they do that, then it's authentic. Mm -hmm. and that's the, so we will do this. You guys, you will see mm -hmm. more and more of this style of, of leveraging the entertainment industry here. Uh, Jeanette Allen will be working more and more to get, uh, Hollywood to in a sense marry the profundity of, of science and uh, and of uh, enlightenment and awakening and consciousness evolution and these types of things so um, let's let's go we have we have some more I want to showcase some more there's a there's a lot of them in here but let's um because I, I don't think enough people actually get to go through this process of looking at what it's like to be a, a pre a precinct captain um, and it was so, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Iowa, you guys did Iowa. We did Iowa. We did Nevada. Okay. Yep. That's what the, the state. We the campaigned show, yep. in um, Florida. That's right. You were in Miami. Yeah. But I was also yeah. doing some get out the vote stuff in LA. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. We'll keep, we'll, we'll, we'll flip through some more. Well, that was something I did. I was a, a speaker. This was during the height of COVID for, um, I think it was NBC Universal. Okay. I think. Yeah, I was uh, visiting on behalf of USC Annenberg Innovation Lab. So that was just a flyer that I was a featured yep, speaker. Yep, learn about the 2020 uh, census and how to make your voice count. Yeah, yeah I was cool. educating employees about that. So I did that a few times. I, I also, you know. Oh, for the Microsoft Teams webinar. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, right. exactly. Okay. I'm like, cool. we're trying to remember. Yeah. Like, was that, like, was, I've done, this I've done a lot of uh, speaker engagement work. So I've done that for Fox and some other companies as well. Yeah. Like media companies. Yeah. Interesting. That was um, outside of a rally in Nevada for the Biden campaign. That particular shot. Yeah, yeah. 
there you go. Just so your head's in the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it just because uh, there was a rainbow in the background, and I saw it as, oh, I think this is a positive sign. I think he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And it's not loading. We'll see. It's oh, technology. Sometimes that happens. We're coming, fam. Yeah. We're coming. Hold up. <laughs> oh, that, that was Miami. It was very, very hot and humid that day. Again, look at that outfit. Isn't that fun? Super unique. The whole thing is vintage. Almost. Wow. wow. It was Miami. I had to be fun and colorful. It was a party. It's yeah. Like a very festive city. I love Miami. That was at the Biden campaign office in Nevada. Okay. I yep. remember that really yep. well. Yeah. It's so interesting, again, that these like these precinct captains are, are like the, the mimetic like arm and like clones of of the of the reach i just i find that to be so interesting that was on set of one of the psas uh-huh okay. we were filming during covid hence the mass and the strict sag protocol oh that's sky jackson she's a huge disney star teenagers love her she's sassy she's fun huge star she local? Um, I think so. I mean, I mean, she lives in L.A. She's on Dancing with the Stars now. We should get Sky on the show. I want to get to this younger consciousness and get them to think about what the nature of reality is. Excited for that. That was a DNC event. You could see Garcetti in the background. Mm. Right next to my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few photos, you know. I, I like to document things because I like to send my mother photos. Yeah, mom, mom's, a, mom's are big fans of seeing what... You they know, love photos. They love yeah. yeah, when like, I send her a photo. Look at what my kid is doing. Oh, that was... Uh, I was um, with LAUSD, and we were learning... Uh, I think it was like a workshop on how to... We were trying to teach teachers how to teach the census to their students. Ah, that's what it was interesting yeah mm -hmm. so more again of the teaching other people about the census so they can teach other people yes it's exactly. such an interesting way to view memes it's so interesting that was on set of a psa ah i see so this is what the set looks like to where you guys one are of doing. Them. the little mini hollywood of got it yeah uh, that's the one PSA. of them definitely yeah, okay okay So that was an event I did uh, on behalf of the LGBTQ community. Uh, Urban Outfitters donated their event space to us, and it just became this big party. We had performers. We had incredible artists. So, so Urban Outfitters got involved with the census project as well. They were happy to give me a platform to talk about the census. Okay, yeah, so they, but they got involved by giving you a space. Yeah. And a, okay, cool. A space, and they supported the uh, marketing and the outreach. That was with Pelosi. Yes. It was a brunch and briefing. Oh, that, that Pelosi. Was, that was in Brentwood. Um, it was at the home of uh, the founder or the creator of the, of the Despicable Me franchise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
Um, that was a lot of fun because I came, I had no sleep that night. I actually came from USC teaching a Saturday workshop to high school students, no junior high and high school students. But the night before, I think I had like three hours of sleep because I was at this insane party on the Hollywood Hills with all these politicians. So it was like one after another. Um, I just remember being dead tired in that photo, but I didn't look tired. Yeah. Yeah, you, you kept it together. I kept it together. You did. Definitely. Oh, and then I had my birthday party after that. That's that's a pretty interesting series of events. Yeah. For yeah. You, uh, yeah. That's cool. That was also on set. We did this whole media press blitz thing called Vote House, where um, there's a studio who my friends own in downtown LA. It's gorgeous. It's called Tuxedo. And... We had just celebrities and influencers and all the who's who's in the industry and politicians. They came. We talked about the importance of voting. We just created bite-sized content and just distributed it on social media to get people really excited about voting like a week prior to it actually happening. Yep. So that was a huge media event, that last photo. Yep, yep. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I've done all these things that I completely forgot about. It's a good thing I took photos. <laughs> Yeah, it's also it's also good to get into the positions where instead of being behind a screen and sort of trying to analyze what the life of uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or uh, Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk or whoever the the people are that you're that you're talking about is to actually achieve enough in your life to where you get the opportunity to actually engage with them in person and then make an a clip an an educated experience of an in-person relationship for you to gain that data point yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that because like there's a lot of things about biden that i think are inaccurate like they say things like oh he's sleepy joe or he like has a bad memory that's not true. He's really, really sharp. Look, he has a stutter and he gets nervous when he talks in front of that many people. So sometimes he forgets and he's, it's, he's literally nervous. He doesn't tell you that, but he's nervous. You know. But look, he knows foreign policy better than anybody. He's really sharp one-on-one. Um, he has a spectacular, very intelligent team. And I think part of quality leadership is knowing you know, who to vet to be on your team. So, I mean, it was after that experience where I'm like, okay, I'll support him. Because I was iffy, you know, I'll admit. Like, I wasn't sure if that was, like, the best candidate. But after that experience, you know, I'm definitely Team Biden-Harris for sure. Yeah, to, to me, there's no clearer solution than what I outline in the sorting algorithm which is chapter seven of high level perception i mean this is by far the only solution that i see because there's there's nothing better than taking the best possible codes from conservatives taking the best possible codes from liberals and synthesizing them into a unity and 
and drain the dirty bathwater as well because there is dirty bathwater. There's perverse incentives and there's... On both sides. On both sides. Yeah, they're on both, both sides. There's both there's, good and bad. Exactly, exactly. And but more, sometimes yep. one side has more bad than others, but there is good and bad on yeah, both sides. And, and another one to put into the same style framework is, you know, Hollywood and Silicon Valley. We have our dirty bath waters that need to be drained but we also have um you know california is the sixth largest economy in the world fifth actually we moved up as a state yeah and that would mean we beat the uk oh yeah yeah they're fifth yeah well we're fifth now yeah you so it'd be uk five germany four japan three china two usa one and so that's interesting that we beat the uk yeah so it's a little probably a little more than three three probably 3.3 or so trillion dollars or something like that i think look at you yeah that's because yeah those yeah these statistics i got i got familiar with them uh like yeah that that's that's an important one to be Mm -hmm. to understand because you kind of want to know where people are living and how they're contributing to the economies of the planet Mm -hmm. and there's many statistics that we need to analyze beyond gdp but that's 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 definitely an important one uh like enlightenment and human flourishing human well-being these types of statistics happiness joy bliss basic needs being met this type of stuff but another one in this is the USA and China. You need to take the good things from the USA, the good things from China, and synthesize them into a single one, drain the dirty bathwater. Another one is indigeneity and modernity. You can put those in the equation. You can put science and spirituality into the equation. You know, science has perverse incentives. Spirituality has dogmas and fundamentalism. But science has the beautiful scientific method. And spirituality has the beautiful manifestations of the divine. And if you put those two things together, you know, a scientist will tell you that when they when they found and colored that inner life of the cell that way, that's divine. That's a beautiful, just truth, good, beauty, divinity right there. And then the same thing's true about spirituality. When the spiritual person learns that that their 20,000 breaths that they take a day come from the photosynthesis of phytoplankton and trees, that's gorgeously yeah synthetic between the two i love how you explain that so beautifully put yeah it's like this thank you that's i I think balance is so important and i think we do live in a world where people forget that and it's always black or white yeah that way's wrong my way's right when really it's much more complicated than that and and i've said it before i think the an extreme isn't good there needs to be a balance yeah yeah, this is the type of perception that when you begin viewing it from the perspective of trying to synthesize the good codes from the two that you're analyzing and draining the dirty bathwater codes, it really does drive a more higher level perception and less of a binary one. It's extremely beautiful. Um, I want to hit um, a couple other thoughts here with you. You've You've spent... Uh, a good amount of time uh, with the USC Annenberg Innovation Lab. I want to know what else is the Annenberg Innovation Lab really well known for? What should people know about them? They're always working on all these insane, crazy, innovative projects. I don't even know what's going on most of the time because there's just so many different things going on. It's like this hub 
it's like a little city where people are doing all these different things. Um, I wasn't at the Annenberg Innovation Lab every day, so I don't know. I was working everywhere. So I didn't really see what other people are working on, but like I'll get emails and I'll kind of get like a synopsis of what's going on. And I mean, it varies and it varies, you know, each semester with a cohort or oh, they have cohorts every semester. I think they do. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that they help students with like their different startups and various uh, projects, but they also do a lot of work in the community. Now I was working with, the Annenberg Innovation Lab, not as a student, as like an actual, yep. you know. Person. Are they doing things like entering into mixed reality and stuff? Oh, like for that? sure. Oh, yeah. definitely. All so that. They've this, been doing that. This is kind of interesting stuff because you know the Berkeley College of Music over in of Boston. Course. Yeah, they're really interesting because they're also trying to you know blend music production with so many different fields. And I think Annenberg Innovation Lab specifically by blending together different fields is going to learn that it's you can increase the mimetic efficacy at which you disseminate content by doing that blending process. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, USC is doing some amazing, innovative work. I had a friend who I think she was part of the the, the Shoah Foundation or something like that, where she was archiving um, Holocaust survivors in a 3D form because a lot of them wow. are so old. So once they pass, it's like, you can and they interact you could still talk to them yeah and broadcast them so they look like they're in front of you yeah if we did that to every single one of the 100 billion people that has lived and died before us today that would be crazy to have like a genealogical lineage of every person that's ever lived right their movements how they sound wow. you can talk to them you can talk to them yeah they're explaining their story their to story, you yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah and it's something that they're doing to um preserve history Yes, this type of stuff I'm all about. I love genealogical anthropology and archaeology. So Annenberg is, that's that's interesting. What initiative is that? Do you know what? This is through a, a different USC initiative. USC's got so much stuff going on. So, okay, so that's another one of our things that we have to do is get the USC peeps to come yeah. on and, and talk about all this stuff. There's amazing work that they're doing. I mean, I'm a very proud Trojan. I had a lot of fun at USC. Yeah. I met a lot of incredible people had a fantastic professors so yeah i feel a, a a a great connection to them yeah and it's it's great because in the silicon valley we had berkeley and stanford as kind of our major uh sources for a lot of the uh professor style brilliance and here we're going to have usc ucla yeah there's a lot of other incredible places caltech, caltech there's jpl yeah, yeah. Belgian lab yeah yeah, you see Irvine. There's a lot of great places here as well. Um, and a lot more in the Bay Area that I didn't list as well, UCSF. <clears throat> but, like, like we got to get the the those collegiate peeps onto the program as well. So let's – we'll hone in on that. Now, unpack for us West Hollywood, WeHo, is that right? I love WeHo. It's like my spot. WeHo. It's such a funny <laughs> four letters. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we I spent a lot of time in so WeHo. Ho. Great dining, great That's shopping, funny. fabulous people. Yeah, see, I'm not I'm not as familiar. So walk us through um, your love for West Hollywood. That's what WeHo means. And then also 
you want to run for mayor at some point yeah, in the future. Yeah, I mean, later down the road. Which is exciting. Is not anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm totally qualified to do it. Um, I'd be great at it. I love that it's rotational, so I have support. You know, I don't need to be, you know, queen bee all the time. I think it's good to collaborate and have different perspectives. But I love WeHo. You know, I think part of it is um, I've uh, always been uh, a huge advocate for the LGBTQ community. You know, I was very close to my gunkles growing up. Um, you know, I'd say most of my friends are either gay men or fabulous older women. And, you know, they really took me under their wing. And so, you know, this was something that they brought up. I think you should totally run for mayor one day. It'd be so cool, Jeanette. And I thought, oh, that's cute. Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, as I've gotten older, it kind of became like, oh, it's actually possible. It's a thing. I mean, I have the background for it. I have the love for it. I mean, yep. I care about the community. Um, I'm always doing whatever I can to help them, you know, thrive to help with their rights like whatever i can to do to help you know i've helped thrown um a lot of events on their behalf to raise money for lgbtq causes i've you know volunteered at a lot of lgbtq nonprofits. i really feel like i have a deep connection to the community even though i'm a straight woman just because it's so personal you know they're my friends yeah. and we're so close we're so tight uh, we run in a pack and I mean, they have so much love for me. So I feel uh, a deep connection to them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great North star to get involved at an entrepreneurial, artistic, spiritual level, but also at a political level. All of these levels of involvement are really important to not just be a spectator, but to be an active player. Yeah. And, you know, I would do it. It's not necessarily a for me. I mean, I'm always thinking of, well, how can I create positive impact, yep. you know, and empower other people to yep. empower other people. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it's not necessarily about money or fame or anything. I don't care for fame. I mean, I've, I've told you I've had people try to solicit me to be on reality TV shows like it doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested or want to do it. It's not about fame. Um, and it's not about money because I can make more money doing other things than yep. being a mayor. Yep. That's for sure. Yep. I just think that I could, you know, really do some good when the time is right. But I'm, I'm also mindful that there's a time and a place when I can make the most impact. Yep. And it's not now, yep. but later, definitely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Likewise, with the goals that I was sharing with you about the presidency as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time that's coming when there will be deep architectural change of our social fabric that's more geared towards the inclusive stakeholding and the other things that we're talking about. And I'm, yeah, willing to step in. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to... It'll gonna, be fun. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. I know. Um, let's talk about super connecting because you were just... You're giving me some stories. I, obviously, both of us are, are super connecting, not only people, but ideas. And that you gave this really good example that a lot of people don't think about. Um, so you have these nodal clusters of different connections uh, and with your higher level of extroversion and friendliness and sociability, you kind of have a you have a propensity to gravitate people towards you that are looking to land in community and feel at home. Yeah, I feel like I, I get a lot of people who reach out to me when they feel like 
they lack a connection. And now it doesn't necessarily mean professional. Like, yeah, sure, we all get that, right? Well, some of us do where it's like, hey, can you hook me up with like this job or, you know, who do you know at this said company? But I've noticed that whenever there's, you know, within my friend group, if there's someone who just moved to L.A. from another state, usually they'll funnel them through me because they know I have the network. I'm going to be open to chatting with them. It's like and I want to help. Oh, you're new here. Like, how, how can I help you build your community? Yes. And I'll connect them to the right people so that they feel at home. Yep. Because I think it's so important. And I, and I know for a lot of people, L.A. can feel very lonely. Yeah. Um, just chatting with some friends I've had who are transplants here. Now, luckily, I've never had that experience. You know, I was born and raised SoCal. I'm from Orange County. It's like an hour drive down south, yeah. right, in no traffic. So I've always had um, a huge support network. So I thought, well, okay, so if so if I have this massive support network um, that's very diverse and just all different types of people and all different types of experiences, it's like, why would I not use that to help other people who need it, you know? And it becomes a win-win for everybody. I, I, w- I would probably say that that this is one of the most important things for people to realize about as they become more and more open to new people, open to uh, connecting with diverse leaders across fields that what happens is that you become more and more of a catalyst and a super highway and a funnel for other people that go through you as a point to get to where they feel more like they're at home. And that that in itself is reason enough to, to aim to strive more and more for, especially if your psychometrics align with it, if you're not hyper introverted it and it does it, strive for that strive to connect with people across different fields strive to connect with people across different walks of life strive to visualize your own network and your own sort of data so that you can know where to go with the people that come through you uh and and be in service to that be in service because like you said when the person comes to you you're thinking about being in service to them so that they feel at home that like that you know that in a sense that's kind of what evan had done a lot for me here same yeah you know i think evan and i vice versa with evan and i i mean yeah. he's connected me to people i've connected him to people and i think it's great because yes. you know i i think for some people who don't do that there's like a form of possessiveness or jealousy which i just think is silly or some type of insecurity but i want all my friends to be friends with my other friends if i know that they can potentially work with each other just or just have a good time or there's something there right um and i also think it's very essential to have a range of friends in your life because i don't want all my friends to be like me at all because i need new blood to cancel out the misinformation that i do carry and have and my biases and my blind spots boom and I get that all the time with yeah. my diverse friendships. Likewise. Where I'll think oh. I know something, but then they challenge that. And then I think, you know what? You have a good point. Do I disagree or do I agree with it? Depends. But at least I know where you're coming from and the other perspective. 
I love that. Right? That was so good. That was so eloquent. Yep. The blind spots. That's it. Guess what happens yeah. when you when you get more and more of uh, openness to new angles on issues because they're coming from other people because you've cared to be compassionate and empathetic and want to undergo the process of learning about what their angle on it is. All of a sudden, you become more and more aware of your blind spots as long as you're not getting triggered and as long as you're not egotistical, yes. that type of stuff. You have to be uh-huh. willing to be go to go to... It's really difficult to restructure your cognitive schemas because you're constantly in a battle to... You know, you're really wanting to hold on to them and to those structures. Yes. And that's that cognitive dissonance. Yes. I have a professor who I became friends with. We're very tight. And he'll call me out on everything and anything. And he has no issue doing that. And I love that he does that, you know, because he comes from uh, a good place. Yeah. And I take what he says to heart. Yep. And I have no issue with him doing that because I can't have yes, Jeanette people around me all the time. Amen. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of them out there That's right. and I appreciate them That's for different right. reasons, but they can't all be like that. That's the psychometric of agreeableness mm-hmm. and that it, you really want a good chunk of disagreeability uh, because you want to be able to say that, hey, I, you know, I love you. I disagree. But, you know, that, or, or, or when it's a mentor that for them to just blatantly just say that you have a blind spot right there. And then, right. that, yeah, that, you're that, wrong. That, and here's yeah, why. Yeah. Yeah. And then that one's. That was really interesting. I've, I really, yeah, the mentors that have done that for me have been super influential. Mostly it's checking my hubris is mm-hmm. mostly what it is. I am, I can, I can definitely uh, get very overly self-confident about, you know, after I published High Level Perception, I had to had, I had to have a good dose of that in order <laughs> for me to, you know, realize that a lot of the, a lot of the hypotheses that I have about, the nature of consciousness and reality are important, but they're also important to retain a deep level of openness, continued openness, and to not, you know, be like, I'm 28 and I know, you know, right. don't do that. Don't do that because you don't, you don't know. Think mm-hmm. about all 8 billion perspectives and all of their angles on what's going on, on the, around the planet and like, you know where we came from the big bang where we're going the godhead where gateway wherever we're going like think about all of the process of that's going on inside of your body at a cellular level everything that's happening in math and physics and artificial intelligence there's just so much there's so much to even say there's so much information no one has enough time to be an expert on it all yeah hubris check the hubris Mm -hmm. yeah i'm so happy that that we talked about that's that's huge i wonder what your take is what is your take on the nature of consciousness my take on the nature of consciousness um i think that it's all about connection that's what it is whether it's object feelings person thing and that all leads back to the human ego that's what i think it is at the end of the day, I think it's just self. But, you know, a higher level of it means it's not just about me. It's about others, too. But I think at a low level, it's about connection, which leads back to ego. 
That was a really interesting answer. So let's see. So when I was at MIT two years ago, I was speaking with these PhD mathematicians and they were walking me through how, what else is there besides relationships? And so that's the connections Mm -hmm. and that it's super interesting because it's the connections, like you said, between the subjective and the objective. And it's also connections between the subjective and their own stories and emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. and all this type of stuff. And it's connections between the different neurons materially in the brain. And there's all of these sorts of ways to view connections between these two nodes as humans, you and I between two countries on the planet on the macro level right Mm -hmm. there's so many ways to view that connections as a fundamental piece of consciousness right or even with an object right a piece of artwork whatever yeah 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 so yeah i mean it's a very open-ended interesting question it's hard to answer that could be a whole thesis yeah, that's why I took 10 months to aim to hit it with my, you know, with my thoughts and perspective, you know, and I would ask as a follow up to that, I would ask. Uh, given the fact that you've lived here in Los Angeles and given the fact that you're at the point of synthesis between entertainment and civic engagement, what do you specifically think about my desire, my drive, my North Star in LA about trying to drive this question about what is the nature of consciousness and reality to the people with the highest influence and clout in the area. What do you think that that style of reflective processing for the people with the most influence here will catalyze? Well, I think it's interesting that you would ask that type of question in L.A., first of all, because, you know, it's kind of dense here. Like a lot of I feel like L.A. is a culture of PR. It's pushing the next fragrance, the next TV show, the next book. And it's very much low hanging fruit where it's just quickly, clearly, succinctly communicated to said audience so that they will pay and consume and buy this or that, right? Or uh, move towards some um, action. But I mean, I'm curious because I would love to, you know, hear what people think about that. I just feel like that's such a high level question. And to be honest with you, LA doesn't value um, intellectualism like some other markets in the US. It doesn't mean that there aren't intelligent people here. There definitely are. There's a lot of them. They're just not as in the spotlight, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about the optics. That's LA. Mm. It's about the optics and um, not necessarily so much about the, the amount of numbers in your bank account. I feel like that's maybe more New York or San Fran, it's more about the numbers with your uh, social media following, with your social media impressions. I was having a conversation with a really close friend of mine about how social media has kind of leveled the playing game because now you can be in a room with the wealthiest people, with millionaires and billionaires, just be, and you can be 
you know, living in like, a, you know, a, a $1,500 a month apartment, but just because you have the social media cloud, you have the followership. So now you're in this room with all of these millionaires and billionaires where, you know, maybe like a decade ago, this would never happen. Yeah, it enabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know tons of people with a lot of social media followers who are struggling financially, but they look like they're popping on Instagram, but they're not. Yeah. They probably crashed on my couch at one point. Yeah. So um, I think it's really about the optics here. Um, not everything is how it seems. It's really the narrative that people put out there and the type of image that they manufacture. Mm-hmm a lot of that for sure and yeah. i know because i'm behind the scenes of these things yeah richard dawkins calls it the extended phenotype mm-hmm. so we actually put out a a biological signal via our instagram yeah. profile and and when we interpret it that way it is fascinating because that's why it's at its absolute peak you want to put only your absolute peak into the social sphere because you're using it as a mating tool. Mm-hmm. You're using it as a uh, as a tool to acquire more wealth and business and friends, and you're using it also to uh, also create a, a, a story about yourself. There's there's it's a really interesting way of perceiving that phenomenon that's occurring and you're also spot on that mimetically speaking it might be more valuable uh for somebody to have you know this would be i would i would i would recommend people to investigate into this is it more powerful to have let's say a billion dollars or is it more powerful to have 10 million subscribers on YouTube? It's a good question. I think that it just depends on other factors, right? That's a, that's a pretty, yeah. If it depends, if you can take your billion and tr- transition it ethically into two and three billion and then build a YouTube mm-hmm. channel to get to 10 million after a right. year or whatever. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think uh, it could be interesting. I to, take the billion. Yeah, Personal. I mean, you could probably do a lot oh, with yeah. that, but yeah, it's, these are interesting questions. Or what if it's you know a hundred million or ten million subscribers? You know, this, these types of questions are. It really also depends whether or not you want fame and whether you want to carry that torch. And do you want to be a mouthpiece? What can you communicate with that ten million subscribership? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What's your yeah. purpose? What are you trying to what do? What are you trying right? to do? Yeah. And what's the strategy behind that? Yes, you, I really liked your answer on connecting connections i like that to consciousness i like that a lot why why do you think reality exists why do i think reality exists Ooh, that's such a deep question why do i think reality exists i think reality exists because so much of what we tell ourselves is not real and it's fake and i think so much is made up there's so much assumptions and so much of how we see the world isn't even real so because of that, there's reality. 
I'm so interested in your line of thinking. Is that a weird philosophical? In your line of thinking there. Like this reality that we're immersed in, mm-hmm. like, you know, like fish in an ocean. Yeah. If you will. Why does why does it exist? And your answer is Because it's not real. Because it's not real. Yeah. Okay, and so tell tell us more. What do you what do you what do you mean by well, that? Well, because I think of so much about how we view the world, ourselves, other people, and even our connection and our consciousness to it isn't real. It's what we want to tell ourselves to feel better and to live and to wake up the next day and to have like a sense of purpose or whatever. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily real. I mean, mm. a lo- right. Mm. Okay, I'm following your line. Of so it goes back there down to ego. There it is. I follow, I'm following. I'm following. Okay. So because of that. The perception is not veridical. The perception is something that we tell ourselves a story to be happier and healthier and more meaningful every every day. And so it's that's the that's this is most real. And, and just the and way people even, are. I think yeah. people are very magical human beings with like all sorts of crazy imaginations and just wild stuff that goes on all the time to the point where people don't even realize it. So I think so much of our thoughts aren't real, you know? Have, have you given the words infinity or eternity much contemplation? Uh, I can't say I have. What are, what are the first things that come to mind when you hear infinity or eternity? I think of uh, space, but I feel like that's like the obvious answer. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I think infinity or eternally, I just think of something influential that lasts forever. It's like something that just transcends, you know, over time. And then it doesn't is, have to be physical. Is that what we are? I think that. Well, for me, I think I'm a moment in time. You know, I think my energy will carry, but physically, not really. And when you say your energy will carry? Through other people. That's how it lives on. You know, I mean, I think that very, very little, like there's a very small amount of people in this world who actually make a big impact. But it doesn't mean that normal people aren't impactful, right? Yep. We need them too. And I think it's like a mosaic that paints a, a bigger, beautiful photo. But, you know, not everyone is going to be like Elon Musk. Yeah, we're different or colors. Kobe Bryant, color right? Wheels. And just, we're just yep. these huge cultural impactful figures. But it doesn't mean that we don't have value or that we're not important. Yep. There's that host saying, what is it? Like, to the world, you're only one person, but to one person, you could be the world. Mm. Right? Mm. And I one. think that matters. Yeah. That's great. I love that one. It's a really good one. Yeah. I think we should wrap on that. That was such a good one. That oh. was so good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I don't know where it came from, but I'm glad I remembered. Yeah. To the world, you're one person, but to one person, you can be the world. Mm-hmm. That's hella good. Right? Isn't it so poetic? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's just my two cents. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was featuring 
Jeanette Nguyen and her incredible life journey. Thank you. Her I'm just getting started. Yeah. All of her North Star goals. Exactly. Fusing, fusing all things civic engagement with entertainment and all things entertainment with science, hopefully, and entertainment yes. with tech and tech. education and hopefully consciousness. Art. Con- yeah, art. I love art. You yes. know, that's important too. Yes. I love it. That's what we're about. Yeah. Boom. There are some links in the bio below for you guys. There's uh, Jeanette's LinkedIn profile, also her Instagram. Go follow her. Go connect with her there. Support the initiatives that Jeanette was talking about in the program. Really think about that a lot. You know, how can you blend entertainment with civic engagement, with science, with spiritual awakening, consciousness, art, all these different fields? And why is that important? And how can you get involved in that? Think about that, guys. Think about that. And go and build the future. Manifest your dreams into the world. Architect that more beautiful future our hearts know is possible. You can support us. The links are in the bio below. If you believe in what we do, support us as well. And that is all, folks. Let us know what you think about the episode in the comments below. I'd love to hear from you. Share it if it made a profound impact on you. If it's your first time around, hit that subscribe button. Like the video. What a fun convo. Jeanette Nguyen, thank you. Thank you. I had fun. That was so fun. Thanks, Alan. So much more to co-create on. Right? Boom. Peace, everyone. Bye, everybody.